All right, well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Isaiah chapter 6. We will be there in a few minutes. I do want to welcome everybody with us this morning. By the way, there's a lot of Tolsons in the building this morning. And by the way, if you can if you can meet and greet all of them and remember their names, there's a cash prize, I've, I've been told. Dempsey, go see Dempsey, he'll pay you, okay? So, it's good to be back again for, for another week. I need to tell you again, thank you for all of the encouragement and the hugs, the notes. Where did he go? I had a little one come up to me this morning and said that when when I get older, I'm going to give you some money. I was like, wow, that's nice. I said, why? He said, because my dad said you're one of the poorest preachers we've ever had. So the, the encouragement just... That's a joke. Oh, it, did, it didn't really happen. It's a joke. Okay. Uh, good to have more of our family with us today. Uh, little sunburn today. We decided to go watch a Big 12 football game yesterday and watch Iowa State play the Oklahoma Sooners. So we drove up to Ames, Louisiana, I think. It was 94 degrees. It was, the heat index was well over 100 and uh, but those are some of the nicest people I've ever met uh, up, up in Iowa. I, I was very impressed. But it was so hot, um, they, you kept hearing them say, "Well, it's a scorcher, eh?" I said, "Yeah, it's a scorcher out here. Uh, really, really hot." Enjoyed that time though, uh, being up there. Last week we talked about from John chapter nine, Jesus. And what was really important to him, and what was important to him was loving this man and healing this man. If you remember in, in Mark chapter 12, they come up to Jesus, and, and I heard this in Bible class. It's, it's amazing this morning. I heard a lot of what I wanted to say in class and, and during, the, um, during the Lord's Supper presentation. I said, thank you, Lord. They asked Jesus, they say, what is the greatest commandment? You know what the answer is. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. But here's what's fascinating to me to begin with. Jesus answered the question. You ever think about it? What's the greatest commandment? I just said all of them. Don't, don't leave any of them out. Fulfill them all. Jesus said, no, I will give you the answer to your question about what is the greatest commandment. Love God. Love others as you love yourself. Last week we began with loving others. Today I want us to talk about loving God. And the question that I present to you today is, and it was asked of us. Thank you, brother, for sharing that. What are we here for? What is this thing we call the assembly, worship? What's the end game? What are we to look forward to? What is it that God is looking for? And so I want us to think about that in terms of Isaiah uh, chapter 6 this week. Now, here's the simple answer to the question, what is the purpose? We gather today to worship the One who created us, who called us, and who has changed us. Through worship, we experience the reorientation into the world. We want to be reoriented. Now listen to this. Through being disoriented. I want to be reoriented back into what's real and what is the purpose and what, is, what are my priorities 
through going through this process of being disoriented. And only those that have the courage will go through that process. We want to ultimately see, see the world through the eyes of God. Now, here's the principle that we're using today. That's actually Isaiah chapter 6. Everything is to be done to the glory of God. Right? And so whatever, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do in word or deed. So everything in life is to be done to honor and bring God to glory. That whatever I say, wherever I am, wherever I'm going, I want my words, my actions, my relationships to bring glory and honor to God. So why, why do we assemble together? It is to remember to honor the One who called us. Isn't that simple enough? But here's the problem. We are human beings. Can I get an amen? We live in a world that right is crazy, okay? I got in this morning, and, and, and I'm wrapping some things up for this morning, and, and I get to Heartland early, and there's no internet. I about panicked. No internet. I literally had to, this morning, sit down and redo everything with pen and paper. Can you believe that? I was just um, I was just foaming at the mouth. What am I going to do today? We're just going to shut down services. There's no internet. That's the world that we live in, right? It's busy. It's hectic. And we come in here. Here's the challenge: if and when we do something long enough the same way, and we repeat things, we tend to forget and we lose sight of things, right? Have you ever gotten to work or gotten home and you pull in the driveway and you stop and go, you know what, I don't remember the last three red lights that I stopped at. I don't even remember them. Right? Your subconscious just took over. That's a scary thought, by the way. I don't even remember driving. I don't remember that intersection. But you have the ability to tune things out because here's, here's, here's the reality of the situation. There's way too much going on in this world that God literally put a part of our brain, the thalamus, I think it is. The thalamus is the filter. Right, right now, you're not, you're not thinking about the air conditioner that's going. Oh, now you are. Right? You, you, you haven't paid attention to these banners. You have to figure out exactly what I'm going to filter out so that I can function. And if we're not careful, that's what happens for those of us who have been raised in the church and we've been sitting on the second row since we were six years old and we know all the songs and we know all the verses and we come together every week and it just becomes routine and rote. And it's the same all. And I'm as guilty as anyone but now let me tell you something. Here's what, here's what I find fascinating. Even though this happens, the subconscious remembers everything. Right? So if I say, by the way, audience participation, if I say, plot, plot, fizz, fizz, it's been 40 years since that's been on television. <laughs> 40 years! If I say to you, oh, I wish I were a... Somebody's putting the tunes to it. 
that's got some serious social and theological issues associated with it. I'm not going to get into that today, but I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. Oh, I wrote down one more for your... Oh, here's the real one. Conjunction Junction. Oh, y'all got that. That's easy. Schoolhouse Rock back in the 70s. Right? So it's there. It's there, but we've got to make sure that we are intentional about bringing it forth. So I want you to look at the text with me. It's on the back of the bulletin, uh, if you would like to, to follow along there. I just want to point out some things. Um, let, let's make some application to this, and then let's spend some time visiting with one another, okay? In the year, I'm in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were seraphim, each with six wings. And with two wings they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And I cried, Woe is me! I am undone. I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the Lord, the King Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with, with the uh, tongs of the altar. And with it he touched my mouth. And he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Okay. Go tell the people this. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused and make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. The king is dead. The king is gone. What do we do? He's been king for 52 years or longer. A time of prosperity. A time where not totally committed to God. But yet the king is dead. It's a time of mourning. It's a time of depression. It's a time of not knowing exactly what to expect. What's going to happen next? What does the future hold? Isaiah feels this. He senses this. And so he has an experience. And so at one moment Isaiah's head was down. I don't understand what's going on, God. I don't know, understand. I don't understand what's next. I'm not sure I can make it. But he takes his gaze from looking down to looking up. I saw God high and lifted up in the temple. And the picture that is painted there is one that I think we should think about. You see, here is God. 
God, not only in the, in, in the midst of the temple, but I want us to think about the fact that God is among us today. Right? And so God is there. And you have these angels flying around and they're singing at, at the top of their lungs, Holy, holy, holy! And there's smoke that's billowing up. And the room is shaking like an earthquake. You see, the first thing that we need when we come together is is to remember and to focus on the fact that God is here. See, this, to some degree, begins the process of destroying Isaiah. I can't handle this. I can't handle this. God, there's too much. See, it's the transcendence of God that Isaiah walked into and, 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 and saw. See, the transcendence of God is defined by God is, is beyond us. He's greater than us. It's majestic God. It's powerful God. It's God on the mountain and the mountain shakes and the mountain smokes and the, the people down below go, Moses, would you tell God to cut it out? He's scaring us. It's the transcendence of God. So you see God. But when he saw God, he didn't think to say, how about we sing around a kumbaya? How about we sing a song of let's all hold hands together and praise the Lord and I'm here to worship? No, his words were, woe is me. He literally, now watch this, he literally called down condemnation upon himself. I can't handle this. Woe, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. The phrase basically means that the words that I choose and the attitudes that I have in my heart and my selfishness and my reluctance to see God, it, 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 here is, here's my interpretation. I'm a mess. I'm just a mess. And I want to tell you why I say that to you this morning, because I identify with being a mess. I don't get things right. There are days that... There are days that are coming up here pretty soon. I'm going to mess it up. I don't think the right thing. I don't say the right thing. I don't treat people the right way. There are times when I'm more concerned about myself than I am about others. I'm a mess. See, that's what the assembly is for, is for people who are messed up. Can I get an amen? The assembly is not necessarily for all of you who got it together and don't make any mistakes and you're not messed up. By the way, I've never met one of you, but if there is one, I would love to spend some time with you. It's for people who are messed up, who come in this door saying, I'm messed up. I need help. I need some grace. I need a hug. I need some forgiveness. But here's what else Isaiah said. Okay? I've already confessed to you about me, so now I can go to you. I live among a people of unclean lips. You know what Isaiah just said? God, take a look at this group right here. (laughs) They're in it with me. They did it too. They're messed up. This whole group of people that worship here, they're messed up. They're a mess. How do you want to be known as the Heartland Church of Christ? The church that has, everybody has it together? No, the church that is messed up, but they keep coming and coming back to God and getting the forgiveness and the healing 
and removing the guilt and they keep growing and they keep reaching to other people. That's what we want to be known for. But Isaiah wasn't pulling any punches with his own kindred. They're messed up. They also have unclean lips. The whole bunch of us. So there is this process in worship when we come together that we want to see God high and lifted up. Let it scare us. But it always must move into a time of confession. We don't assemble to see who can sing the best. We come in here to praise God and confess that we are messed up. And that's what happens. So then one of the seraphs, right, come flying down. But notice what the, 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 the seraph, the, the angel has. A hot coal. Say, God, I want to confess. I've got this sin. I'm messed up. I'm a man of unclean lips. And God says, here, let me burn that lip. It didn't feel good. Isaiah didn't go, oh, that feels so good. Thank you. Do it again. That hurt. That was painful. Isaiah knew it. When, when, when the angel flew away, he's like, ow, that hurts. I, I don't like that. Worship is not necessarily all about let's get together and feel good about ourselves. See, because we, we were created for something greater than just that. We want to continue to grow and become. But I love the phrase, your sins have been atoned for, but watch, your guilt is removed. How many of us know we've been forgiven, but we still live with the guilt and shame? It's one of Satan's most dangerous tactics. Oh yeah, but don't forget, you still got guilt and shame. Oh, I know you. I know you said God forgive me, but you you know who you are. You know, right? walk around with this shame. It's gone. It's gone. I praise the Lord. We thank Him together. We see His Majesty. We sing these songs together, where we say. Every time I see a cross, I love this song because I love the chorus. I don't know why I do that. My wife is wonderful about asking me why. Why? Why'd you do that? You know what? I'm going to start singing the song now. And I don't know why I did that. Right? But isn't that us? I don't know why I do certain things. I don't know why. I don't want to do it again. And the guilt's gone. So that God says, at the end, okay now, who's going to go for me? Isaiah's ready. I'm, I'm in. Put me in, coach. I'm in. I'm ready. I got it. Let's go. And when he first came in, he was just all upset about his life and Woe is me, and I don't know what we're going to do. And when he gets an encounter with God, he marches forth from that place saying, I'm ready to go. By the way, I read the rest of the text. A lot of preachers will skip the rest of the text that I read. Because here's what God said. You know, because we think, oh, I'm ready to go. I'll go conquer the world. God said, yeah, get on out there and preach. Nobody's going to listen. Isn't that what he said? Nobody's going to listen. You know why? Most people do not have the courage to encounter God and encounter themselves in the presence of God to be changed. We just want a good message. We just want a good song. 
Tell me a joke. Let me feel good about myself. So here's what we say, quickly. Worship is two things. Worship is, number one, is a dangerous place. These assemblies should be dangerous for you to walk into. I'll let you process that and I'll tell you what I'm thinking. It ought to be everything that we can do to bring ourselves into the presence of God. And to come face to face with God. And to sing songs that, 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 that praise Him and honor Him. But to sing songs like, I don't, I don't know why I do these things. What's wrong with my heart? It ought to be a process of going from um, being being bent over with the weight of this world and, and only seeing things from our point of view of this world to, to ultimately being lifted up by God to be able to see through the eyes of God as we go through praise and confession and repentance and then taking the charge to move out into the world. It's dangerous. It's dangerous because if you do it, your life's going to change. It won't be the same. And there are some folks that say, ah, that's okay, not me. I, no. No, no, I don't want to. But there are some of you who have that longing, that, that desire, God, use me. God wants to use us. Again, I'm including myself. He wants to use us, but there's some junk we've got to get rid of before He's going to be able to use us. But worship must also be a safe place. Oh, it's already up there. One of the things that I love to say to churches that have preached for is this front row must be a safe place. This is a protected place for when it's time to come forward and say, Church, I need you to pray for me. It needs to be a safe place where, in the, <clears throat> in the words of the song, where no one sits alone. Where we huddle up around each other. Because somebody has had the courage to encounter God and encounter themselves and they're willing to make a change. Safe place see, the assembly is this. It is a gathering of the called out ones. Do you, you see the craziness of this statement? The ecclesia, we are the called out ones. But we assemble together each week as the ones who are called out. We don't want to leave here with the same idea and mentality that when we came in. I want to be ready to go. I've been called out of this world. To make a difference in this world. Um, oh, I love this. Here, here's what I think our worships, worship ought to be. In everything we do, we are continuing to tell the story. We are allowing the drama of God and God through Jesus Christ to unfold. So the songs that we sing, they're reminding us of the story. The words from Scripture that we read, we're telling the story. But look... When we take of the Lord's Supper together, communion, right? Eucharist, the, the, to give, giving thanks, we literally are retelling and reacting out the story of the gospel. Here's the body of Jesus we eat together. Here's the blood of Christ. We share that together. We're telling us, we're reminding ourselves of what's most important to us. 
It, that's another, I've said this before, the, the communion is also a, a way that we say to each other, I'm, I'm on the team, put me in coach. Here is my recommitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we do it publicly. That's why we do it together. So everything we do, we're, we're reminding, we're reenacting the story, we're retelling the story. Okay. Worship is a communal event. We do it together, right? It's not individual worship. By the way, churches in America have been called, when we come together, a collection of individuals. And I hope that's not the case with us. And I want us to think about we. Jerome, here's a challenge. I don't even know if it would work. Every time we come across singular pronouns in our songs, I want us to change them to plural. Right? We typically say, here I am to worship. Here I am to stand out. Here I am. I'm the best worshiper in this church. Look at me. Here we are to worship. We're together in this thing. We sing together. We sing songs about the fact that we sing together. We honor God. We pray together. We take of the Lord's Supper together. It's about us. It's a communal thing. And I think this is something that we got to work. we got to move in this direction because of the fact that in this country, it's all about the individual. It's us. We're all in this together. This is the community. This is the body of Christ with Jesus as the head. And so this is a, a, a communal event. Just, just read these so you can figure these out. We've got to go through the transformation of, from takers to givers. We learn how to give. We give of ourselves. We give of our means. We give of our time. We're in this thing worshiping together. It's holistic. I think worship ought to touch every fiber of our being. I'm, I'm like Coach, uh, North Carolina State coach that passed away from cancer, Valvano, Coach V. I, I think worship ought to touch every part of us. I, I, I want to laugh. I want to cry. I want to clap. I want to be convicted. I want to be moved. I want, to, I want us to read texts that, that challenge us. Texts that say, this whole group of people has unclean lips. I want us to read texts together that motivate us and say there is nothing, there is therefore now nothing that can separate us from the love that's in Christ Jesus. I can do, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I want to, I want to hear all of that. I want to have the uh, encouragement from the elders as they stand in front of us to say, here's the next project that we need to get behind and, and serve and give of ourselves. And man, we say, here we are. Send us. Touch all of our being. It's part of worship. But worship is designed to break down all barriers. Every barrier. Regardless of what they are. Most of my barriers are self-imposed. And I had a great, and I don't know if I told you this or not, I had a great mentor that told me one time in ministry, your greatest challenge in ministry is going to be learning to get yourself off your own hands before you can serve other people. Right? Because I always got 
issues and problems and the next thing and I'm worried about this and I'm stressed out about that and all that. And I don't have time to minister. Break down every barrier. Alright, so here's, the, here's the, the, the worship model and I'll stop. Here's how it goes. Isaiah walks in, sees God. Wow! That's where we start. Wow! Look at God! But he sees God and he goes, Whoa! Woe is me. I messed up. I need to confess that and repent of that. But it leads to, and this is the best I could do, okay? I couldn't think of another word with a W, okay? Whoa, here we go. Here am I, send me. I'm ready. I don't know where it's going to take me. But you know what? I trust God because I've seen God and I know He loves me and I know He gave everything that He could for my life by, by sending Jesus Christ to die. So the, the, the model is this. Wow! Oh, whoa, God forgive me. Whew, let's go. That ought to be what we're focused on every week. Hold us to the standard. Those who stand before you and preach and teach and lead worship, hold us to it. Don't let us get away with trying to either tickle your ears or make you feel good or to always coming down on you. Hold us accountable to say God is good and God wants what's best for your life. And to get there, you need to get down on your knees and ask God to forgive you and heal you and remove the guilt. And you know what? Then put your name on the list because here we go. That, I think, is worship. That's the assembly. There's the invitation song. i got to stop. So let me say this. I love... I love um, Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. In the morning, Lord, I lay my request before You. In the morning, Lord, You hear my voice and I watch expectantly. That's what I want us when we come together. Hear our request, Lord. Hear from our, from our mouth. Hear from our hearts. And we're going to watch what You're going to do with some great expectation. No greater worship than that. If this morning we can pray for you. This morning you found yourself in the Isaiah story, bent over, depressed, frustrated, selfish, sinful. You're ready to remove that. If you're ready to get rid of the guilt, I know a safe place. If the call is for you, won't you come while we stand and sing?